Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome one and all to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Are you a leader, perhaps new in your leadership role, maybe recently promoted to C-level executive or department or division manager by your employer? Or maybe you just uh, started up or purchased a small business. Instead, maybe you're a volunteer leader of a nonprofit, perhaps without pay at your local uh, regional or national volunteer organization, could be leader of the session in your local church or director of your favorite charity's annual fundraising campaign. And whatever your leadership role, we all know that leaders are expected to calmly take control Uh, But what if they don't know how? What if you don't know how? And specifically, what can you do if you're in a leadership position and you lack confidence in your abilities to lead? And believe it or not, today's first guest, author and leadership expert Mark Pittman, contends that your self-doubt may actually mean that you're on the verge of greatness. And he's here to explain why and to suggest what you can do to confirm that you are an exceptional leader. And here's Mark Pittman's bio. He's CEO of the Concord Leadership Group, LLC, dedicated to executive coaching and counseling to leaders of nonprofit organizations and effective fundraising and efficient operation. He's a former pastor and church planter. Mark has helped ministries and nonprofits around the globe to fund and carry out their mission without compromising their faith or charter. And he's co-author of the popular 2017 book, Ask Without Fear. And he's author of the soon-to-be-released title, The Surprising Gift of Doubt. Hello, Mark. We're most pleased to have you here with us today on this most intriguing subject of leadership. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, to begin, can you please explain why you believe that self-doubt may be an important element in helping our listeners to become highly effective leaders? It seems like that's the last thing you need to succeed. I know, right? Because our our image of a leader is confidence and boldness and often brashness. But um, I, I'm not sure if I'm, your your listeners had a similar experience that I had, but um, it, it, I maybe was advanced ahead of the curve because it was in my mid-30s. Yeah. I started wondering, is it? You know, is this is this all there is? Um, there's a level of proficiency and a level of of accomplishment that had happened, but there was this. I was so aware of the stuff that I wasn't good at, uh, and and so what I I find that well, there's a if you if you think of a grid, the uh, the leadership journey is like a, a, a four just a typical four quadrant grid. The up vertical axis is your confidence axis. The top is we're really confident, and the bottom is lacking confidence. But And the cross pan, uh, axis is your inputs, where you get them. So when we start out learning, we start out with the external, confident and external quadrant, which I call observe. We just, we've seen people lead. 
So we do this. We know we can do it. And hey, thank God somebody finally gave us a title. They understand that we've got the goods. So we're boldly confident and doing our thing. And one of my favorite lines from leadership trainers is that if you're out leading and you turn around and there's no one behind you, you're just out for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> so that takes a hit at your confidence. And so that's where you move down to what I call quadrant two, which is still looking at external cues, but it's the experiment stage. You, you're going to read books and listen to podcasts and radio shows and trainings and, and trying to figure out, you see what's wrong with you. You see things aren't working the same way it works, seemed to work for the bosses and the coaches and other people before. Um, and that's where a lot of people, I think, in in that middle-aged space are at. And leadership, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but leadership, I think, is not just a title. I think no, it's influence. So, I mean, the the most menial jobs can have the greatest influence in an organization. So it's not, uh, so this isn't just a title thing, but I think it's in that moment in that experiment stage where things just aren't working that the, the self doubt kicks in and it could be that you're truly broken. And I'm not, I don't want to make light of that. Uh, there are good therapies important. There are good tools for that. But I think a large number of the people that feel like they must be, just totally broken because they tried getting things done and it didn't work. And they tried seven habits and parts of it worked, but not all of it. And um, they just keep missing different marks. And I think that's where you could be on the verge of greatness because it could force you to look at the other cues that you've kind of been ignoring all along, yeah. which are the internal cues. The ones that, you know, that inner voice that says, eh, that's not really how we do things. Or maybe we shouldn't do it that way or, yeah, this is great. I like this. But all the inner stuff that we're told so much in our culture to say, don't listen to, be you know, be data-driven. <laughs> Look at the benchmarks of other groups. And where's the logic in that? So we try to drown out those that inner stuff. And that's where I find the, journey, the joy of the journey is figuring out that, analy- I call it quadrant three leadership, the analyze, where you start looking at stuff and doing what a mentor of mine long ago said, eat the chicken, spit out the bones. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you're unsure uh, of your leadership ability, should you confirm or try to hide your lack of uh, confidence <laughs> from those who have been chosen to lead? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I think if you asked, I filled the room with a group of people, there'd be about you know twice as many. Everybody would have two opinions about this. Where I'm at right now is I, I was talking to a leader in Colorado who brilliantly said, I've listened to Brene Brown. I get the idea of vulnerability. I can't be that kind of leader to the 100 people that report to me. We're in a very transitional and change, rapidly changing space, and they want to show up every day knowing there's, there's a job. They don't yeah. need to hear my insecurity about certain things. Um, and so I think it's where yeah, I was, uh, I've been told that one of, the, one of the leadership styles I told, which has some merit, is that you – you throw up and you support down. So you don't spread negativity down. You put it to your boss or other people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it, what your experience in, in insurance and all was like, but for me, it's not always the employer that I, it's not only if I'm the CEO, there's often nowhere to go. But yeah. if I'm the senior leader, my boss doesn't want to hear all my, especially my personal struggling with stuff. And that's where I found friends or, uh, associations, being on the boards of associations, or having a, a coach yeah. uh, can be incredibly helpful because it gives you that safe space to explore stuff and be real and verbally process if that happens to be your style without having the threat of getting fired hanging over your head. Yeah, I think it's totally appropriate if you're new in a leadership role to uh, 
ask your subordinates who are experts in some certain area for their opinions and support and uh, admit, you know, you don't know this particular area that well, but I certainly don't think you'd go in there and say, I'm not a competent leader and you can't <laughs> trust in me because everyone wants somebody to, to sort of pull it together. I mean, there are very few people who uh, can do it all by themselves without some guidance and leadership. Well, and that's why Quadrant 3 um, is is so important. There are three main areas. There's about six areas in Quadrant 3, but the three main areas is knowing your hardwiring, knowing your identity, which is the stories that you tell about yourself and you tell yourself, and then knowing how to set goals. Um, the three It's a Venn diagram, so those are the three main areas, and the overlapping are knowing your values, knowing your personal style, and knowing your mission. Um, when you know kind of what your values are and where your strengths are and where your limits are, you can present those strengths, you can present those limits of ignorance, which is just not knowing, it's not a bad yeah, thing, yeah. to your subordinates and without giving up authority. I think that's yeah, so that, that's the key, I think. My next question applies not just to leaders, but to anyone at any stage of our career. How can you and I overcome past failures, real or perceived, to achieve optimum career success? Is there a magic formula for learning from past failures and using them to our advantage and moving forward positively, confident in our ability to, to succeed next time. Wow. Um, I love the way you worded that. I want to say yes, and I wish I could bottle it and give it to people. I, <laughs> I, I don't have the quote exactly right, but I was just listening to a leadership um, uh, talk, and the presenter said, you're, we mistakenly think the failure defines our past instead of informing yeah. our past. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a part, it. isn't it? Yeah. So when there, one of the part of my past was planting a church, as you read in the bio, yeah. we went out, we did it for four years, and then we ended up closing the church. We didn't reach uh, some of the metrics that we were looking at. We had great impact on um, lives, but we didn't have the growth metric that we were looking at we didn't have 100 people yeah. um and so but there was no system for that afterwards so it was a long struggle of trying to figure out i must be a failure this was my life calling this is what i went to college to do am i a, a totally broken inept person fortunately there were two other in our system our denominational system has no nothing they have everything for preparing new, new church planners but nothing for the people that don't succeed so we got together my uh my wife and i got together with two other couples that had similar experiences in the same time frame and we started something we called church for losers because <laughs> we needed to see <laughs> and then she got a cfl bulb one of those uh energy efficient ones and said we're still the light of the world but um the we needed to be able to own it and say we failed it, we're not failures but that yeah. exists that thing is there's no pr making this pretty. That was ugly and horrendous, and we don't know what we're doing next. But we're okay. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. I think that's part of it is trying to separate yourself from the failure, which can be really hard. Um, and I think that often, maybe this is your experience too, where that can often open a door to. Uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to sound all you know irrationally optimistic, but there there can be seeds in that or, or parts of that experience, not only that makes you more human and better and safer as a leader, because you know that you're not invincible, but it can also help you to see different takes on ways to serve other people um, or gaps in a system that you can then become the leader to help fill that. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you were hurting. so fortunate to be able to find, uh, you say, three other couples or two other couples who two had other a couples, similar... Yeah 
similar experience so that you could uh, relate to each other and talk to each other about why each of you failed and uh, get uh, common or work together on what you could have done differently and all that. It's so great to to have a fellow <laughs> failures there to, to help yeah. convince yourself that you're not really a failure. You just, well, and even to call you out on it too. So there's, I think, part of what we don't do with failure, um, and I've seen this with jo- with people that are going through job and career transitions too, whether they were chosen job transitions or job transitions chosen for them. <laughs> Because they're no longer employed. Um, the um, the I see people not not. I find the this, the stages of mourning to be really helpful to think about that, where you're in denial and then you get angry and and just going through the grief in the mourning process. But when you have friends that are like that or or people that are in a similar experience, uh, what we ended up doing is I've never done drinking games through college or anything, but at those gatherings, we had um, whenever one of us would say, you know, I'm over this now. We'd all raise a glass, whether it was beer or bourbon or whatever we had in our hand or coffee, because we'd be like, we call each other out on our stuff, which was so helpful. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's okay to be wounded and hurt. But then again, it's not like I was then presenting that way to everyone. It was a a safe place where I had uh, people, I, I could be heard and named without, you know, I was still doing all my other stuff. I was still having a job at the hospital that I worked at and still doing oh, my okay. fundraising coaching business and all and being being what I was to other people, but I knew there was a place where I could vent and, and kind of let the mask down. Yeah, that's a little bit. What Your experience was a little bit similar to something I did years ago uh, that they have in a number of big cities, a 40-plus job search where people who are out of work counsel each other and uh, wow. you know, provide support, and uh, they have a common office that answers your phone for you and stuff. It, it's really great to be together with uh, other people in the same circumstance you're in and uh, help each other to find their next career. I think that uh, sounds a little like what you are going through. Yeah, you know, I had a, co- a professor in college that said the thing that you're most concerned about and most scared about is the same that that is common with everybody else in the room. So if you walk into a networking event and you're wondering how do I look is – is my fly zipped? Is, are people going to accept me? <laughs> Everybody else is worried about that too. So that rather than that becoming something that defines you as I'm such a loser, I'm so insecure, you could be taking that as almost a, a divining rod like you'd use to try to find water in a field of saying, okay, so that's the vibe in the room. And then you can address that. You can go up, hey, Roy, how are you? You know, yeah. I, I'm new here. Do you, are you new here? How, how does this whole thing work? And you can try to be uh, strategically curious is what I call it. And, and it's really helpful when you're, you really feel good when you're really helping somebody else achieve the uh, position or the career move that they really want to make. Uh, you, you I bet. Benefit yes, so along with them when they do that and it helps your own confidence in yourself. Well, there are hundreds of books on and online courses by self-help gurus and management <laughs> experts that espouse the latest and greatest new leadership system. You warn it can be very dangerous to follow their advice. Why is it dangerous and where should you turn for guidance on effective leadership techniques? Well, that and I always I always kind of grin when I when I uh Say it's dangerous to follow them. I think I love. I have been. I'm looking at my books in my office right now, where there are um, dozens and dozens of leadership books and goal setting books. I think what 
where it's dangerous is that we read the book cover and we hear it change people's lives and we um we know ourselves because we've experienced some where some level of leadership some level of influence we we have a sense of who we are and what we're about and so we know what we bought the book to fix whatever is deficient and then it doesn't necessarily work for us and i think it's at that moment where we feel like well we must be broken because the testimonials on the jacket cover say transform people's lives yeah. so it must be me that's it wrong um <laughs> Which is silly because you wouldn't put testimonials on there that say, well, this was kind of a meh book. It wasn't that great. It regurgitated <laughs> yesterday's stuff. So you only will put the great ones on there. But um, I think that's where the danger is, is that uh, you start, it, there's an invitation, that doubt of why isn't this working? And instead of moving into, oh, that, re you know, it, it, that requires a lot of extrovertism. And I haven't exhibited that behavior or pattern in my life. I tend to be more of an introvert. So yeah. where are ways that I can ramp up that extrovertism or where are ways that I can, uh, if I need to, where, how can I use, what can I glean from this that I can actually use? Yeah. And, and that's all scary because nobody's going to, there's no boss telling you that it's when you start, you start have to make your own decisions and you start have to, there's increasingly less cover the higher you go up in leadership you as an employee uh jamie smith of ynpn said as an employee you learn skills and you get skill proficient and that gives you a promotion to manager where yeah. skill proficiency oh, doesn't help lost. you anymore <laughs> yeah because you can be good at doing the widget thing but they don't need you to do that because now you're micromanaging you need to be good at people skills to help people do the widget thing but then you get promoted into leadership where people skills it's all right to be a nice guy or gal, but you also have to have this vision and strategy and be able to look forward to see where's, where are we going? Not just what are we doing? Yeah. Um, and and that it, as you move up in that, you increasingly lose cover. You can't blame anybody else because you're the one that's making the decisions more and more with your own authority, even if it's conferred on you by an organization. Yeah, well, here's a challenge common to failing businesses or even enterprises that are beginning to lose their momentum. They're stuck. Employee resistance to change. Any suggestion on how you, as a leader, can motivate those who you lead to try new methods and explore new opportunities? I know that's a constant challenge oh, for leaders. Yeah. Well, so there's a there's a yes, and it's and I don't want to mitigate the the challenge because there are some people that uh, shocking to me don't want to learn, and I don't know what to do about that except maybe helping them by making that job <laughs> career change for helping them. Helping them out the door. <laughs> helping them out the door and getting somebody else on the bus. But before that, um, I'm working with organizations that have gone through, are about to go through some major, major uh, kind of identity shaking change and some that are just in a, a tumultuous climate, which a lot of us are, because now employment, uh, HR people tell you if you keep an employee for three years, you have a winning HR system as wow. opposed to, yeah, you st there's so much just, there's so much um, fluidity. So where, one of the things I love ha helping organizations do is to get clear on what stories are being said about them now. What are the stories that are ha happening around the water cooler, happening in the chat rooms, happening on Glassdoor or other review sites, about the, with, specifically within staff? And then what, um, and one organization I was working with in, in Seattle said that uh, we don't have necessarily a story about a person, but we have themes of stories. There's the disgruntled worker and they don't care for us. They don't have our back theme. And that was really helpful. Uh, so what are the plot lines I'd like to say in your stories? And then what are the ones you want them to be? And as you, because often we focus negative on the negative and that is a perspective, but that perspective isn't necessarily the entire perspective. There's also good happening. 
And as we help focus on good, um, that can help people through transition. And quickly, the other one is reminding people what the end goal was. Yeah. Just because we're, what is, why are we all gathering together? And as we remember yeah, why, that. Why do I keep doing the same thing every day? <laughs> right. And the, the vehicles change, the tools change, but if it's still to serve the people that we're there to serve or to conserve the land or what, to you know, make an impact on the globe, it helps people have a little bit more fluidity or openness to change. I mean, there's different if you know people styles and all, there are some people that cling to systems. Um, you know, you have to pry them from their, their dying grasp, but um, there are people that are more willing to trust you. If you're able to continue to remind them where there's, what isn't changing, yeah. what is changing and what isn't changing. You know, that's that can be really, a, that's really such helpful. a good point. Our, our ultimate goal is not changing and our charter uh, purpose and, and being, but we have to change to keep up with the times and to do it more effectively. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, here's one more question. I, I know you're an expert on uh, nonprofits. I'd like to briefly call upon this expertise sure. in counseling leaders of churches, charities, and nonprofit entities. What if a listener agrees to serve voluntarily as a leader of a session or a committee chairperson, maybe on an ad hoc, either an ad hoc or permanent basis? And committee members of those reporting to you are unpaid volunteers with no monetary or career advancement incentives. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how you and a leader can assign tasks to members and motivate them to actually produce results, which is often a problem in the nonprofit committees? Oh, it is such a challenge. And uh, I was just uh, on a site with a client yesterday that um, I asked them, what about your experience in other boards? How are you getting new members and all? And there was this kind of pause around the table and they said, it's the same people on all the boards in the community. (laughs) And then they started kind of like taking out their baseball cards of board membership that they were on. on Some people don't know how to say no when they get so spread out, they don't really contribute much of anything. So, so two two things I would think of. One is I I find particularly in nonprofits we do a horrendous job at onboarding. Uh, yeah. We usually lie to people to get them on the board. Hey, yeah. you're you're not gonna. It's not a lot of work, and you'll have a lot of fun. And both aren't <laughs> true. Usually, it is a lot of work, and it's not that much fun all the time. Um, so, helping people with the clear expectations, which is really scary, because when you start having clear expectations, you start making it easier for people to say, Yeah, I'm not in for that. Um, and, and you may have empty seats for a while, which is awkward, but it creates, it, it will start creating a culture of people that are there for the reasons that you want them to be there for. Um, and it helps you to figure out what you want. Oftentimes, uh, if this happens with our first hires too, when we first hire someone, we have a job description and then we ask them to do completely different things. Cause we realized what we really needed was over here, not what we wrote. Yeah. Um, so, but the other part I think is I found with boards and some, I'm intrigued by the church putting in a church context, how this, this seems like it could be easier to do, um, is I like to make sure that people know why they're there. So if it's a board, I want them to know they're there for their wallet, which is legit. But I want there to be a, a, a character or a, a skill set, um, a character trait skill set, something, that, something else that they're bringing to the table. And I want them to know what that strength is. Yeah, and uh, that and, strength has to be something they like doing and they honor themselves so that they, you know... Well, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, you wouldn't say we, you're really not nice to people, and I really like that. Well, maybe they like being not nice to people, I guess. <laughs> but as long as they, I, I have found that with boards in particular, um, um, as 
as they know that they can use what they're learning in other aspects of their life. Um, I've worked with one of my clients does strengths finder with her board and, and they get so enriched by finding out more about themselves and how they're wired. They can do their board work more effectively and it impacts their families and their work environment and all the other things that they do. Well, let's talk about uh, a bit about your book, The Surprising Gift of Doubt. Is that book available yet, or is it, when when will it be available? <laughs> it is. Um, the publishers tell me that it will be available in at least a year. It's uh, oh. right now. Uh, yeah, it's still a ways out. I'm in development mode with it. It's I don't, you know some some of your listeners may have had this experience of I've written the book about three times, and now it's in a form that I like. But I need to make sure that I want to. I, I feel like the message is so important. I really want to steward it well and make sure that a publisher sees the, sees the merit of that too. So um, right now, though, if they Google the Surprising Gifts of Doubt, you could find a version of it that I did for nonprofit fundraisers up on oh, YouTube. Um, and uh, there are articles on ConquerLeadershipGroup.com also that uh, are exploring the different aspects of it. But I'm super excited because this is this, – uh, any author that's writing a book is probably excited about their next book, but I'm super excited about the impact that this can have to help people that are uh, feeling stuck. They, they may not be just, they may just be looking too much at where they're stuck instead of looking at the unique gift that they are to the space that they're in. Well, where can uh, our folks go to uh, keep uh, appraised of the prog- uh, your progress and uh, learn when the book will be available so they, and where they can get it? Is there a place so to much. Go now to, to yeah, absolutely. One of the ways that it, uh, I people, if you're interested in learn, if any of your listeners are interested in learning about even the, uh, any aspect of Quadrant Three, I could I'd recommend going to ConquerLeadershipGroup.com/values. There, I offer a values sorter. One of the, early in my uh, careers, I had a life coach that shared with me just a list of attributes and uh, values and asked me to identify my top values. And it was so pivotal in the rest of my career since then to know where some of my values are and understand why I have stress at some jobs because if independence is one of my values and it's not because I'm in a bureaucratic organization, at least I've made a conscious choice. <laughs> that yeah. I'm not going to be able to experience independence here in the same way that I might somewhere else. Um, so they can do that. Again? Give me that address one more time. Sure thing. It's Concord, C-O-N. C-O-R-D, leadershipgroup.com, slash values, V-A-L-U-E-S. Yeah. and uh, That's that, free for anybody that wants That uh, concordleadershipgroup.com is uh, the address where people should go to uh, learn more about your organization and uh, perhaps retain your, uh, your group uh, for your uh, counseling and uh, on fundraising and organizing and uh, managing nonprofits. I know it's full of very uh, useful information. Thanks. If, if I may, uh, if, if, if your fundraising is particularly leadership in the context of fundraising is particularly what you're interested in, then you can go to fundraisingcoach.com. Cool. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of articles. It's one of the longest running blogs in the nonprofit sector. Okay, that sounds good. Well, in conclusion, I think everyone who has experienced it can agree as you put it, leadership is both an awesome and a terrifying responsibility. <laughs> and perhaps for the first time ever, you are now responsible not just for your own performance, but also for inspiring the performance of those working for you. And as a leader, others depend upon you for direction, for encouragement, and in some cases even for their livelihoods. And as a leader, you will 
face relentless demands from the boss, boards, your own staff, scarce resources, and constantly evolving technology. Mm -hmm. But never forget, leadership also can be amazingly fulfilling, and you have the honor of impacting numerous people for good, creating lasting change, and making the world, or at least your corner of it, a better place. And you have tremendous leverage uh, with all the folks working with and for you for positive change. And if you're new for leadership, or even if you've been a leader for a while, do you feel like you've been tossed into the deep without being told how to swim? It's only natural that uh, you lack confidence in your ability to lead. But as my guest Mark Pittman assures us, humility and self-doubt go a long way to effectively leading others. And if you want to learn uh, why, along with advice on how to overcome self-doubt, past failures, uh, for remarkable leadership success, I highly recommend you go to their website, ConcordiaLeadershipGroup.com, and look out for that book, The Surprising Gift of Doubt, uh, when it becomes available. And in the interim, I suggest you explore Mark's services and uh, learn Mark and his colleagues may have just the right solution for you and your team. And thanks to me and Mark Pittman for your sound advice. Best of success in that book and in all that you do. Thanks so much. It was an honor to be here. Well, that was a most inspirational interview with Mark Pittman, wasn't it? I trust, like me, I'm certain you're now convinced that it's only natural at first to lack confidence in your ability to lead. Heck, anyone gains confidence only by experience. But that's not a fatal flaw. In fact, humility and self-doubt, as Mark points out, go a long way to effectively leading others. The key is to ask for support from those who need it, present a preliminary agenda, and build a team. But with a clear understanding that you are captain, and in no way are you shirking responsibility or running away from that duty. Um, but you're asking others along with you as the final arbiter to help set the agenda and to accept responsibilities. Since you are a leader, formal or informal, on the job, at home, or in your church or community, uh, whether formally designated leader or not, I would argue that every one of us has a leadership role in some form in some part of our daily lives, if only as a leader in your family. And before we go, I'd like to call attention to a book all about leadership, in fact, recreating and re-energizing stagnant, underperforming, or lagging enterprises midstream, also startups who are establishing their mission and place in the market. And it's my second book, Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines, by Roy C. Richards. I wrote the book from the premise that sagging or brand-new enterprises, including small businesses, large corporations, and nonprofits, are best transformed by reigniting the creative energy and collective spirit of the men and women presently on board. No matter how outstanding is your products or services, your uh, infrastructures, uh, including your, uh, your reputation and your production facilities, a collective enterprise's primary asset is the combined talent, knowledge, and energy, creativity of those on board. And my book then presents a five-fold formula designed to establish or restore positive momentum. 
One, early diagnosis and treatment of the symptoms of stagnation or decline. Two, identification and uh, evaluation of collective strengths, traditions, and resources upon which to build. And this is a top-to-bottom collective process. Three, inspirational exercises to revitalize both the personal lives and the careers of onboard participants, employees, or volunteers to define what they really like to do and what their real objectives and goals are in their lives. Then four, merging of individual and collective goals and objectives into a fully engaged circles of cooperation, both individual areas, functions, and the enterprise as a whole. And five, empowerment, including reward for every dedicated and capable contributor who uh, performs well and aids the project. And my book contains 15 chapters of detailed advice and self-help exercises and also case studies to guide you through the entire step or the stages of collective renewal. And the book is intended not just for C-level executives, but for anyone who is new or intends to assume, uh, now or intends to assume a leadership role, be it department manager, project supervisor, or maybe committee chairman. Chairperson, I should say. We don't want to single out the sexes. And once again, the book's title is Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines by me, Roy C. Richards. You'll find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or through our website, middleagerenewal.com. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. It's great to talk to you every week about the challenges and potential high rewards of middle age, your best age. And come back again next week for another episode. For now, enjoy spring and bye for today. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.